Um, but I'm glad you're here. Um, it's been a good week uh, for the Mills family, for sure. Hopefully it's been a good week for you as well. Uh, I am Pastor Jake. I'm the lead pastor here at Great Oaks, and I'm excited that you've chosen to worship with us today. It's summer. It's hot. Um, there is a lot going on, but Jesus is still king, right? And we still gather together on Sunday mornings as a church family to study his word, to grow together. And you know that because you're here, right? Um, you showed up, so you already know that. And even though it's summer, uh, I just wanted to kind of celebrate with you. Uh, we had our largest regular Sunday attendance two Sundays ago of 2017. Uh, so the most people on a regular Sunday, not Easter or 20th anniversary or Christmas, came two weeks ago on June 11th. That's pretty awesome, right? Uh, so praise God for that. Even in the summer, uh, the Lord is, is doing some awesome things at Great Oaks, and it's, it's all about Him, and, um, and it, he's, he's accomplishing things, just like He is always, you know, taking us or helping us collectively and individually take our next step towards Him. He's doing that now. He's been doing that before, and He'll continue to do that as we are faithful, as we are um, leaning on Him and trusting Him, and so I just encourage you, thank you so much for being here today. I know you could have been a lot of places, but you chose to be here I love that you chose that. Um, if you have your Bible, you can grab it, head over to Jude, um, and you can also grab your bulletin if you got one coming in, and uh, there's a note section there, kind of fill in the blanks as you go, see the scriptures and all that. Uh, if you don't have a, a, what do we call this, a, a physical Bible? That's not right, because uh, then it would be like an imaginary Bible, would be the opposite of a physical Bible, because we also don't have emotional Bibles, so physical, emotional. You guys with me this morning? Springer's laughing, all right. Um, paper Bible. If you don't have a paper Bible with you, you can grab uh, your phone or your tablet, head over to the YouVersion Bible app, click event or live, and you'll get all of our notes and all of our scriptures for today. You can follow along there. But we are in week four of a series called Small Fry, uh, where we'll, we are just taking on the, the more overlooked books of the New Testament and going verse by verse through them throughout the summer. And so uh, when we were praying, when I was praying about what God wanted us to uh, talk about throughout the summer, just uh, thought, hey, let's go verse by verse through some things that we haven't yet done before. And maybe uh, you haven't ever been through a, a, a study on the book of Jude or Philemon or 2nd or 3rd John. And so uh, maybe it's new material, maybe it's not. Uh, but as we go verse by verse, I believe God will speak to us no matter what we're doing. Uh, because we believe all the Bible is the Bible, right? Uh, not just the ones you can remember like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Hopefully you can find Genesis. That's the first book of the Bible. Uh, Isaiah, big ones like that, Psalms, Proverbs, uh, but even ones that uh, we don't think of a lot are still God's word. And so uh, we've been in Jude uh, this last three weeks. This is week four, and uh, we'll be in it one more week after today, and then we'll be heading over to Philemon. So you can be reading that, studying that as you prepare uh, for Sunday morning uh, two weeks from now. Uh, but the first week in Jude, we talked about the main idea just being that we are to fight for faith. And Jude is trying to get us to fight for faith. And so we talked about in week one, what is the faith that Jude is trying to get us to fight for and, and all of that. And so we talked through that. In week two, uh, Jude led us to talk about uh, the why behind this. Why are we supposed to fight for faith? Because there are forces, both inside and outside the church, coming against us um, in, that would entice you uh, to leave biblical truth, to leave sound doctrine, and to go this other way. And so uh, we talked about that and what that means. Last week, I told you that the last three weeks in Jude, so last week, this week, next week, 
uh, we will be talking about how to fight for faith. And Jude is talking about how do we do this? How do we actually fight for faith? And so last week uh, we looked at uh, verse 20, and uh, we will... Uh, we'll look at that in a minute, but we talked about how do you keep the faith. We talked about how it's more, fighting for faith is more than just starting out, but it's staying, it's persevering, it's, it's finishing the race, right? And we talked about remembering and how we have to be intentional about remembering so that we can stay there, persevere. At the end of last week's service, we took communion together, had a longer worship at the, at the end, and it was a, a powerful time. If you missed it, you missed it. But um, we do have that online, and so if you've missed any of these messages, as we go verse by verse through any book of the Bible or any number of books of the Bible, um, it's always best to get these messages in context, and so uh, you can listen to those online. Go to iTunes, go to our website, make sure you listen. But last week, uh, I, I just threw up uh, Jude 20 through 23 on the screen, and we talked through kind of what we're going through these three weeks, and so last week we talked about Um, how we keep yourselves, he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. And that is the anchor uh, of this whole text. And that's what everything is pointing back to. That's the command that is the central idea. Keep yourselves in the love of God. So we talked about that last week. And then this week, we will talk about the the phrases before and after that. Um, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And so we'll talk about that today. Then next week, we'll take on verse 22 and 23, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. And to others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment that's stained by the flesh. So that's kind of where we're going as we talk about how to fight for faith. But, but how do we fight for faith? Today I want to talk about fighting for faith, how fighting for faith is about not just talking, but doing. Not just talking, but doing. We all know people who can talk big, but never really do anything, right? They're loud, but that's about it. They don't follow their words up with with action that really means anything. The saying is, you can talk the talk, but can you what? Walk the walk. You guys know that saying, right? Okay. You can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? And as we interact with other people at work, our families, at church, um, what matters is not what people say, but what they do, right? What they do is what matters. We're talking about reliability. We're talking about dependability. Right? So, so let's just go there for a second. Okay? This is going to make some of you mad and some of you laugh. Ready? Some of you cannot be on time. You just can't. All right? It's just impossible for you to be on time. And you're, what's funny is that you're consistently the same amount of not on time every time. Right? You're the same amount late every time. And so I'm not talking about at church. Uh, but some people who need to hear this aren't here yet, right? Uh, but, yeah. So, you know, and the, and the people who laugh are not, are not the people who, who are on time. You, you just laughed because you're the one who's late all the time, right? And the mad people, you're, that's the spouse of the person who is late all the time, right? And so don't point fingers. Don't, I just saw some husbands look at wives. That just not a good idea, all right? It's just not a good idea. Some like more mature husbands just, I'm just going to look straight. I'm just going to look straight. It's not my wife. It's not my wife, right? Uh, but you know who you are. You just can't be on time. And, and you're always consistently the same amount late. And so um, like you're 20, maybe you're 20 minutes late all the time. You're just always 20 minutes late. Let me just tell you what everyone who's like me is thinking. 
start 20 minutes earlier. I know it's crazy. Mind-blowing, right? If you're consistently 20 minutes late, just start 20 minutes earlier. Just wake up 20 minutes earlier. Just start getting the kids ready 20 minutes earlier. You people who are late like, that does not work, right? It just doesn't work. But that's what we think, us who have this issue. We're like, start 20 minutes early. But it doesn't matter what I say, right? Doesn't matter what. You're going to consistently just keep doing this, and that's fine. Always a legit reason. We love you late people, all right? We love you. Even the ones who hadn't shown up yet, we love them. We do. But when you say, when you say you're going to go somewhere, you're going to show up on time, I just want you to know that we don't believe you. We just don't. Like you say, I'm going to be there on time. We're like, yeah, right. We're like, okay. And then we turn to on-time people and go, they won't show up on time. They won't be there, right? We just, we just don't believe you. It'd be better if you would just say, hey, I'm going to be 20 minutes late. Why? Because I'm always 20 minutes late. What time do you start? Nine. Okay, I'll be there at 9.20. What? Yeah, it's my thing. I'm always 20 minutes late. So I'm, I'll be there at 9.20. But maybe you shouldn't say that because then you'll show up at 9.40. Because you're always 20 minutes late, right? Yeah. What matters is not what you say, but what you do. If you consistently do not follow through, then saying you will means nothing. And we know this. I mean, if you've kept a job longer than two seconds, you know that. Uh, but my fear is that this doesn't really translate into our walk with Christ. It doesn't really translate into our church life, our Christian faith. Let, let's do this. Just go with me for a second. Let's say that I'm the CEO, founder, president of a company. I've built it from the ground up, and you are the vice president. And I'm heading to uh, Europe for three months to expand our operations in Europe. And so I'm talking to you, and I say, hey, I'm going to leave you in charge. And I'm going to go, you're going to stay, and you're going to be in charge of our home office while I'm gone. And you go, okay, I can do this. And I say, okay, well, I'm going to send you an email every week that just kind of outlines in more detail what needs to happen, some things that you need to know to keep the, the company that I love going strong. And so I'm going to tell you some things, and I'm not trying to micromanage you, but I'm just going to let you know some things that need to happen uh, so that when I come back, it's a successful three months uh, while I'm gone. And so I leave and you stay. And every week I send you an email. Every week I send you this email detailing, hey, watch out for this. You got, you got to start working on this. You got to do this. And every week you read the email and you send me an email back and you say, okay, I'm in. I can do that. I'm working on it. I'm doing it. Yeah, it makes sense. I can handle it. I'm going to do it. I can do this. And so every week, all of these emails go back and forth between you and I. Three months of this, lots of emails go from me to you and you to me saying that everything is going great and you're going to work on it. Three months go by. Finally, I come back. I drive to the office and I can't believe what I find there. The grass is overgrown. The, there's weeds all along the building. The trash is overflowing and stinking. I, as I'm walking up, I notice there's some windows that are even knocked out. Like, that, what is going on? I walk into the building. There's no receptionist to be found. I look around. I find the area where all the cubicles are, and I see a few people in some cubicles, but they don't seem to be doing anything. And so I ask one of them where you are, and they point me to the staff lounge. I go back to the staff lounge, and there you are, with all of the executive leadership team playing cards, just hanging out. And I walk back in there, and you go, oh, you're back. I'm so glad you're back. And I say, what happened? What happened? You go, what do you mean? 
Well, we had all those emails. I, I told you what needed to be done. I told you exactly how to do it. Like, we, I know you got them because you responded and said that you were handling this. I know that you saw them. What happened? And you go, oh, yeah, we did get those emails. And I, I even read them to the staff. And we all stood up and said, I'll do it. I commit. Yes, we'll get this done. Some of the staff even thought that some of your emails were so good that they put them on t-shirts. They had a coffee cup made with this phrase that you said. Man, that was a good phrase. We really liked that. We studied your emails. We meditated on them. And we all said, we're going to do it. Okay, well, you said you were going to do it. You got the emails. You, you understood. You, you committed. You said it was going to happen. What, but what did you actually do? What did you actually do with what I sent you? And you look at me and you go, do? I didn't actually do anything. I didn't do anything with them. That's absurd, right? That's absurd. But the way a lot of us do this whole Christianity thing is equally absurd, is it not? We commit and we say yes, but we do nothing. We can talk the talk, but we can't walk the walk. And a lot of times it's, it's the behind-the-scenes stuff that we drop the ball on. We, we show up on game day expecting to be the lead scorer, but we haven't shown up to one practice. It's like committing to run a, a marathon a year out. You go, I'm going to run this marathon, and you sign up, and, and you tell all your friends, I'm running this marathon, it's going to be great. And you put it on Facebook, and you change your Facebook profile pic. How many of you know when you do that? That's serious, right? You change it. And you go, I'm going to run this marathon. Three months go by, you've done nothing but eat donuts. And your friends are going, okay, what are you going to do? Six months go by, you've still done nothing. Your friends go, hey, well, how's your training going for this marathon? Six months away, how's it going? And you're like, training? I'm not going to train. I'm just going to run. I mean, I, God made me to run. It'll be fine. I'll just, I'll just run. I'll just show up and run. And so the last six months go by and still no training. The race day comes and you have not run one mile, much less 26. When the race starts, you take off running with a smile on your face. Get about half a mile and you pass out. The ambulance has to come. You can't make it past half a mile. It's absurd, isn't it? Look at 1 Corinthians 9 with me real quick. It'll be... Up on the screen, so you don't have to flip there. The Apostle Paul makes this same point with the same illustration. It starts in verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 9. He says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So, run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about discipline, right? The key to accomplishing what you say you're going to do, the key to your actions lining up with your words is discipline. But nobody likes that word, right? We all hate it. We're like, discipline, oh. Like the idea of having discipline. This is just, I don't even want to talk about it. When we hear the word discipline, we think of drill sergeants and nuns and push-ups, right? 
Like, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm just not that kind of person. I don't want that. It's not a fun idea. But if you've lived longer than a few years on this earth and tried to accomplish anything worthwhile, you've wrestled with and probably failed in discipline, right? How can I make myself do the right thing? It's one thing to say it, but how do I actually make myself do it, right? How do I actually do this? I mean, how can I make myself a morning person when I don't even believe that 6 a.m. exists? I've never seen it. I mean, I've never been there. How could I make myself a morning person? How can I make myself go to the gym every day when I hate the people there? When I hate the way they smell and the way they look? How can I make myself go there like that, you know, the girl who's got the exercise, I mean, got the treadmill pumped up all the way at full speed, looks like she's defying gravity? Give me a break, right? Give me a break. Or what about the clanking weights guy? You know that guy. Like just throwing weights around like a Neanderthal. You're like, dude, chill. Some of you are that guy, right? You're like, it was him. Or what about the grunting guy? Ah! Like, calm down, dude. Bro, like you just need to chill. Ah! They go get a cup of water. Ah! Right? It's just, calm down, bro. It's okay. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You've wrestled with discipline. How do I do this? I don't know who said this first, but I like it. The internet said that it might have been Abraham Lincoln, uh, but that's just the internet's go-to when it doesn't know. So it's just Abe Lincoln. All right? Abe said it. Like love, live, laugh, enjoy life, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> okay, Abe said it. it must be true. <laughs> you just be you, girl. Don't matter what they say, Abe Lincoln. Abe said that? Wow, that's interesting. Before his time, he was kind of a genius. All right. Sorry, that had nothing to do with where we're going. But um, somebody, probably not honest Abe, said this about discipline, and it stuck with me. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Think about that a second. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. And we go, yeah, that makes sense. I, man, I'm writing that down. Like, Abe probably did say that. I don't care what pastor said. Like, I'm writing that down. Abe Lincoln, I'm putting it on Facebook today. And we get excited. Phrases like this get us excited. But let me just tell you, if that's true, if this phrase is true, if this idea is true, it is not good news for you and me. Because we are a people ruled by the now. We are a people ruled by the now. The now owns us i mean we want information now right hey siri what's the difference or what's the distance between earth and the sun i need to know that right now okay google how old is john travolta i need to know that right now we want information right now we want food we want it hot and ready right now we don't want to wait we want it now we want solutions now, like, don't talk to me about how it's going to take years of hard work to get there. I don't have time for that, right? Lose weight? Okay, so I need to diet for a long time and work out for a long time? Yeah, I'll just do something easier. Like, is there a diet pill? Is there a quick fix? Is there a surgery that I could have just to be done with this? We, we are ruled by the now. But discipline? Discipline is choosing what I want Choosing between what I want now and what I want most. Discipline is sacrificing the now for the better. 
Discipline is choosing best over good. This thing that we are controlled by, this thing that is wooing us and and dragging us away in the now, it might not be evil. It probably isn't evil, right? It's something good. It's just not best. Are you tracking with me? And so, I mean, I think that most of us pass the murder test, right? Like, should I murder this person in their sleep or tell them about Jesus? Those are the options. I think most of us can pass that test. Like, if you can't, let's talk afterwards for a second, just a second. Okay, let's talk afterwards, just for a second. But I think most of us can choose between murder and evangelism, right? We're not making that choice every day. The choice we're making every day is between good things and Jesus. Good things and best things. That's what we're choosing between on a, on a daily basis. Discipline is choosing between best and good. This thing that's drawing us, wooing us, distracting us, it's good. It's not evil. This is not best. It's not what we should want most. So, so if discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most, the question becomes, what do I have to do now to accomplish what I want most, right? What do I have to do now to accomplish what I want most? Jude is trying to get you to fight for faith. He's pounding this drum. Get up, stand up, fight for faith. We need you to fight. He's talked about persevering, about staying, not just starting, about finishing the race. But, but in order to do that, in order to do that, we're going to have to be disciplined, you and I. You're going to have to choose best over good, eternal over temporary. You can't just talk and commit and promise and get excited on a Sunday morning. You have to actually do the work, right? The hard behind-the-scenes work that it's going to take to fight for faith. And Jude gives us three specific things. If you want to fight for faith, if, if persevering for Christ, if making it to the end, if, if fighting for faith like Jude has been talking about is what you actually want most, then these are the things you need to do now. And when I talk about now, I'm not talking about this particular moment. I'm talking about all the nows, right? I'm talking about the present. I'm talking about habits. I'm talking about tomorrow when it's now. You need to be doing these things. Are you tracking with me? Not just this moment, but every moment. So what do we need to do now to get what we want most? Jude gives us three specific things. Look at verse 20 again. He says, but you, beloved building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So last week we talked about how the main idea of this is keep yourselves in the love of God. Everything else is tied to that. But inspired by the Holy Spirit, Jude writes down three specific godly habits that will help us do this. Like he he doesn't leave us hanging. He writes down exactly what we need to do. He gives us the how. These are the disciplines that will help us actually, actually accomplish something. If you want to run a marathon for the first time, there are some disciplines you'll have to establish to help you do that. If you want to lose weight, you, you, you just, just saying that isn't enough. You're actually going to have to do something. There are disciplines, specific habits that you'll have to establish to make that happen, right? If you want to pass a test, you need to study. If you want to be a doctor, you need to go to medical school. If you want to play the piano, you need to practice a little bit every day. And if you want to persevere and fight for faith, you'll need to do these three things. 
that Jude gives us. Not, not just once, but habitually. And listen, these things aren't new. They're not novel. They're not even sexy. They're just not. They're not creative. They're not new. These are the fundamentals. Because the main things are oftentimes the plain things, right? So first, Jude says, build yourself up in the faith. Build yourself up. So we're not talking about what you're doing for others. We're not talking about out there. We're not talking about what you're doing out front. We're talking about building yourself up. Jude is going to talk about those things. That'll be next verse and next week. But we're talking about behind the scenes here. Build yourself up. If you're going to persevere, you need to build yourself up in the faith. So what are we talking about? We're talking about studying God's word, right? We're talking about going deep into God's word, studying it on a regular basis. If you're going to persevere, you're going to need to study the word of God. If you're going to be able to pass the test, you need to study. If you're going to be able to run the race, you need to prepare. This is just step one. You can say you're in, you can say you're his, you can say that you're on the team and you're going to fight and you're going to stand up and you're going to do this, defend the faith and, and live it out there. But if you're not reading and studying the Bible, then all of that is just talk. It means nothing until you pick up the Bible and start to study it. There, there are tons of surveys and polls about this, but one done by Lifeway a few years ago found that 90% of churchgoers, not all Americans, but just church people, people who go to church, 90% of churchgoers say they want to please and honor Jesus in all that they do. So, so they want to live the life, fight the faith, persevere. But that same survey found that 19% of churchgoers read the Bible daily. 90% are saying, I'm in, I, I want to honor Jesus, I want to do this for Jesus. But only 19% actually read the Bible every day. So our words, they don't line up with our actions, do they? We're saying we want to follow Jesus, honor Jesus, but the Bible, the very thing that would tell us who Jesus is and how to honor him and how to follow him and what he expects from us, the very thing that would tell us those things, we leave unread. Until Sunday, we pick it up again on Sunday. If you want to fight for faith, you're going to need to read the Bible, and in so doing, build yourself up in your most holy faith. Beloved, I challenge you. I implore you. I beg you. Make reading the Bible a daily thing. Make it something you do on a daily basis. I don't care what you do. I don't care how you read it. Like some people are really big on like, this is the way, this is the time, this is what you need to do. I don't care about all that. I just want you to get into the Bible on a daily basis. So for me, I like to read uh, through plans, Bible reading plans that take me through the Bible in a year. I don't think I've ever finished one within a year. So that's just confession time, all right? I don't think I've actually ever finished one in 365 days. I've gotten close. But I've never done that in 365. But I like to do a plan that takes me through the whole Bible. Right now, I'm in a chronological Bible reading plan. It kind of rearranges the Bible in daily segments that take you through it chronologically in, uh, in order, right? Uh, chronologically, in date order. And so that's what I'm in right now. I like to use the YouVersion Bible app to read. And also, I have my headphones in. And it 
it has the audio, the Bible audio, and I like to listen to it as I'm reading it. It helps me focus because I tend to, my mind tends to go a hundred directions, and so that helps me focus, helps me read it. That's what I do. That's what I've found to be effective for me. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you read a verse a day, a chapter a day, a chapter of Psalm and a Proverbs a day, a chapter of Psalm, a Proverbs, New Testament, Old Testament, get a little bit of everything, go through a reading plan, just randomly throw your Bible in the air and read whatever it falls to. I don't care what you do. I just think you should read the Bible on a daily basis, right? I just think you should get into it on a daily basis. But... I would challenge you just to be smart about it. Like, make a plan. If you've never been able to, to do that daily, to read the Bible daily, and you hate the sunrise, maybe you don't go, he's right. I'm going to read my Bible from here on out every day from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., and it's going to be great. No, you're not. You're just not. Like, if you take this into account, think through it, right? If you work nights, Think about that. How does that affect how I'm going to read the Bible, right? If you are not a morning person and you have 13 kids, think about that. When you're planning, make a plan. Be intentional, intentional about it. Maybe you get an accountability partner to, to help you with this and you can encourage them and they can encourage you. And then I would just say this about Bible reading. Don't get caught up in the Bible reading you missed yesterday. So you look at your U version, you're like, wow, it says I missed 322 days. That's a lot. <laughs> How did I, I feel like I just went to sleep and woke up. I was like, 30, 322 days. How did I miss that, right? Is that, a, is that wrong? And you get all caught up and like, ah, oh, I missed yesterday. I missed, I've missed three days in a row. I was sick. And I, I missed this. I missed. Don't get caught up in that. Just read today. Are you tracking with me? Don't get caught up in what you missed yesterday. Just read today. Just every day, just read today. I love the YouVersion Bible app because you can click catch me up. Catch me up and magically you're right on track. Right? Boom. Done. No mistakes. <laughs> I'm awesome at Bible reading. Right? <laughs> so don't get caught up in what you missed. Just, just read today. Build yourself up in the faith. And then Jude says, pray in the Holy Spirit. It's not sexy, it's not novel, it's not new. The, the main things are the plain things. Read the Bible and get this, pray. Pray. He doesn't just say pray, he says pray in the Holy Spirit. Now I think what Jude is saying here is that you need to pray in a way that you're being led by the Holy Spirit. In other words, saying grace three times during the day before meals Four for some of you. I don't know how many meals you eat. <laughs> um, saying grace before every meal that, and then checking off, I pray daily. That's not what, I don't think that's what Jude is talking about. You laying in your bed when you open your eyes and going, thank you God for this day. That's awesome. I think you should do that. But that's not what Jude is talking about. Jude is talking about spending some time in prayer. Spending some time in prayer and and so i think this is bigger than that spend time in prayer prayer is what prayer is communicating to god right it's just talking to god talking to god about what everything just talk to god about everything praise him confess to him be honest about where you're at pray for your family beg him for the salvation of your kids and the healing of your parents and the financial miracle that you need do all of that pray about everything be honest before him talk to him about everything spend time in prayer in the holy spirit and i think this is best 
with a, in a specific time each day that you kind of set some time aside and you really spend 30 minutes or an hour or, or 20 minutes or whatever in prayer. I think that's best. But I also don't want to discount uh, that you can be in an, a constant conversation with God in prayer throughout your day. Like when I, uh, when I realized that I could be uh, praying all day, that really changed my prayer life. When I realized that prayer wasn't necessarily kneeling down in a corner and saying, you know, this prescriptive thing. When I realized that I could be in prayer while I'm on my way to the grocery store and I could be in prayer in my truck on the way to work and I could, I could be in prayer when I'm walking down the hall and I see a staff member that has a need and that, that just jogs my memory and I'm just in my mind and in my heart praying for them. I can be praying while I'm doing other things. I can be in this constant contact with God and in communi- communication with God. I, I think that really changes things. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. And so I think you've set some, side of t- some, some time aside. I think you do that. I think that's awesome. But I also don't want to discount this idea that you can just be in constant communication with God, right? I don't want to be legalistic here. Like, read your Bible and pray. I, I'm not saying you ha- there's no holy time for this. Like, it's not, like, I've heard people get up and say, like, you have to do it at the, the first thing. Like, if you... You, you, before your feet hit the floor, you need, to be, you need to grab your Bible and read in your bed before, first thing. And I'm like, I got to go to the bathroom, right? So what now, you know? Was that too much? I don't know. It's not in my notes, all right? It's not in my notes. But I just got to, so like, now what? You know, what? So I don't think there's like this certain time. Yeah, if you could do it first thing, maybe that's a little better. I don't know. But if you do it at the end of the, the day, before you go to bed, if you gather the kids together and pray over them and read Bible stories, put them to bed and then kind of continue that, read your Bible, pray with your spouse, that would be awesome, right? It doesn't have to be first thing. So I don't want to get too crazy here, but spend time in prayer. Talk to God all the time throughout your day. But also I want to say this, spend some time silently before God too. Don't just talk, but listen. Listen. Like, has your spouse ever asked you, like, 5,000 questions at once and not let you respond? Didn't you just love that? You're like, oh, that was great. So which, which one do I answer, right? Hold up. Let me, wait, let me get a word in edgewise. I wonder if sometimes God's not thinking that same thing. Like, we're just praying and we're asking and we're begging and we just keep going, right? We just go down the list. Like, I'm for mom and dad and my brother and my sister and my dog and my aunt's dog. And we just go down this list that we're praying. And God's like, hold up. You're asking me questions. Would you take a second and listen? Because I, I don't know where you're at on this, but I believe, I absolutely am convinced of this. I believe that our God still speaks to his children today, just like he did in the New Testament. Do you believe that? If you believe that, then the implication is you better listen, right? If you want wisdom from God, I believe he wants to give you wisdom. I believe he wants to speak to you, guide you, help you. The Holy Spirit wants to do these things. Pray in the Holy Spirit. You got to listen. You got to take some time and be silent before him. So I think with this idea of prayer, I think something you can ask yourself today is, is when was the last time I... I spent real time in prayer. When was the, just ask yourself that. Like, okay, when was the last time that I prayed for a concerted amount of time? Maybe it was this morning. Maybe you got in your prayer closet and you were there six hours and you showed up to church afterwards. Anybody six hours? Okay, don't lie in church, all right? It's not a good idea. Yeah, 
When was the last time you spent any time? Let's, let's just do this. When was the last time you spent 30 minutes in prayer? Just think about that. When was the last time I spent 30 minutes? What, what about 20 minutes? When was the last time I spent 20 minutes in prayer? 10 minutes? How can fighting for faith and persevering till the end be that important to us if we're not willing to put any time in prayer on it on a daily basis? Now, maybe that's too harsh, but it's at least something to think about, right? It's at least something to think about. So build yourself up in faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. We were missionaries in China for a few years, so one of the people that have really influenced my life is, is Hudson Taylor. Uh, he was a missionary to China in the 1800s, so Hudson and I were hanging out. And, um, okay, and he's, uh, he spent his life serving the Chinese people, and so I read some of his books, and I read some books about him, and uh, so some things just really influenced me. And uh, you can Google Hudson Taylor uh, and see what he did after service. Not right now. Put your phones away. Okay. Um, but he said this. about He's talking about discipline and how it's hard to keep, keep things going and kind of having discipline, you know, doing things rather than just saying things. And, and he was a guy who he would, he would get up, I think it was 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. might have been 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. But he was that guy. He would get up and he would pray and read. And he figured nobody would bother him during that time, right, because they're all sleeping. And so he would get up and do that. So he was pretty serious about discipline and, and praying and reading. And, and he said this, Hudson Taylor said, Satan will always find you something to do even if it's only rearranging a window blind. Satan will always find you something to do, even if it's only rearranging the window blind. Busyness is always there, right? Busyness is always there. There's always stuff to do. Satan loves to get you caught up in the mundane, so much so that you forget what's important. But the truth is that busyness, it's just an excuse, right? We all have the same amount of time, and all of us, every single one of us, we make time for what we value most. That's a hard truth, but it is absolutely true. You make time for what you value most. If you don't have time for something that you say you value, you don't value it, right? And that's hard, but it's true. You make time for what you value most. It's difficult because this kind of brings us face to face with our true selves, not what we say, but what we do. And we don't really like what we see. It might be tough, but it's true. We make time for what we value most. Let it be studying the Word of God and praying in the Holy Spirit. Let's make time for that. But the third discipline or habit that Jude gives us is to wait for Jesus' return. Build yourself up in your holy faith. Build up your faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit and wait for Jesus' return. You see, it's not just about reading the Bible and kind of spending 30 minutes or 60 minutes with God every day and checking it off the list, and now I'm really good, and I'm sad. I did that, and so I'm good. It's also it's not just about a task that you do. It's a mindset, right? Now, this is about orienting your life in such a way that everything you do is about Jesus coming back. If, if, it's about this future hope. It's about eternity. It's about more than this here now. It's about more than the temporary. It's about more than going to work, making money, being an okay dad or an okay mom or getting the kids to another weekend tournament or college career. Earlier, a minute ago, this is about choosing best over good, choosing what you want most over what you want now. If you're going to make it to the end, 
If you're going to fight for faith, not just talking but doing, you'll need to center your life on the hope that is only found in the return of Jesus Christ. This hope, this mercy of Jesus that leads to eternal life. And I'm not talking about, when we talk about waiting for Jesus, I'm not talking about waiting passively. I'm not talking about like just kind of looking up to the skies and kind of just sitting around. I'm not talking about huddling together as a church and, and saying, okay, we're going to sit in here till Jesus comes back and just forget the world. You know, the world goes to trash, but we don't care. We're just waiting for Jesus. I'm not, talk about, I'm not talking about that. I, there's eagerness in waiting. There's, there's activity. Setting your life up this way, it takes purposeful action. Everything out there is pounding you uh, with the message that this is all there is, that this is it. Spend your life on this. This life is it. Spend all your money. Spend all your time. Everything is about this. There's nothing else past this. That's what the world is saying. So if you're going to reorient around the eternal, around the mercy of Jesus and his return to call his children back to him, if you're going to base everything, every decision uh, for yourself and for your family, every action you take, every conversation you have, every dime you spend, if you're going to base all of that on the hope that you have in Jesus, it's not going to be easy. It's going to take some work, right? It's going to take some doing. It's going to take vigilance, focus, intentionality. It'll be the opposite of passive, won't it? So maybe a question you ask yourself with this one is, well, when was the last time that Jesus' return influenced what I did? When was the last time when I made a decision, I thought about how Jesus is coming back? I thought about my hope in Christ. And I let that change a decision I was going to make. When was the last time that Jesus' return influenced what I did? Maybe that's a good start. Maybe that's a good start. Fighting for faith is about not just talking, but doing. You have to walk the walk. It's going to take doing the hard work of personal discipleship, establishing these disciplines, these habits, you choosing what you want most over what you want now. It's going to take establishing these godly habits of building yourself up in the faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, and waiting for Jesus' return. It will not be easy. You see, my fear is that we are so compartmentalized that we take this well-known, intuitive, common-sense idea that it's not what you say, but what you do that matters. We take that as truth in every arena of our life, but we leave it out of Christianity, out of our walk with Christ. Because we would never say one thing and do another. We would never not get our actions to line up with our words at work, in our work life. We would never do that in our family life. We would never do that with our friends. But in our Jesus life, in our church life, we do it all the time. We are many times hearers of the word, talkers of the word, but not doers of the word. We don't do the work. We come to church and we say, yes, 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 I believe, I commit, I promise, I'll go, I'll give, I'll stand, I'll fight, but we don't do anything. We just kind of expect it to happen on its own. No preparation, no plan, no intentional action. And it's devastating 
It's devastating to your walk with Christ. It's devastating to your witness, to your kids, to your neighbors, to your friends, to your family, to our community. It's devastating to my hope for you that you'll persevere till the end. My heart wants that for you so much that you would persevere. But I know that championships aren't one in the stadium. They're one on the practice field, right? We don't, well, we got to do the work, your daily habits. That's where your destiny is created. And I, I get that destiny is overwhelming. Like we think about destiny, we think of this huge thing and it's just overwhelming. You think about what you want to be, who you want to be who you want to be, and you think about at the end of your life, when you look over all the years that culminate to the end of your life, what do you want those to look like? What do you want those to be? What do you want your life to be about? And we think about that, and we go, oh, gosh, it's too much. It's overwhelming. I can't even think about it. Like, how do I get from here to there, right? How can I possibly start to move this direction? It's just too big. Destiny is this big, unreachable thing. And most of us, when we think about it, we just stop. We just quit. We just give up. I can't get there. And then we go about 10 years. We think about it again. What do I want my life to be? What do I want my destiny to be? What do I want, what do I want my legacy to be? And we start to think about that, and we get overwhelmed again. How can I get from there or from here to there? How can I do this? I don't think I can. And we quit again, and it doesn't come up again for another 10 years. Pretty soon we're at the end. But listen, beloved. Your destiny is decided by daily habits, not dreams and intentions. Your end is decided by your now. Let me say that again. Your destiny is decided by daily habits, not dreams and intentions. Your end, the end that you want, that or or whatever end you end up with, your end is decided by your now. So focus on today. Focus on the disciplines that will get you there. It's all of the todays added up that will make the sum of your life, right? It'll make the culmination in the end. That's that's what it is. All of the todays added up. It'll add meaning. It'll create meaning. You'll be able to finish the marathon, not because you schedule the race, Not because you sign up and you put it on your calendar and you say you're going to run in a year. You'll be able to finish the marathon or not because of what you do every single day between today and race day. Saying it is not the same as doing it. You've got to come up with a plan. Jude gave it to us. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Wait for the mercy of Jesus Christ. My prayer for you today, may you be convicted, not just by what you say, but by what you do. May you study the word and pray in the Holy Spirit every day starting today. And may you center your life around the only hope that matters, the mercy of Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. God bless you. I'll see you next week as we finish Jude up. It's going to be a good time in the Lord. Make sure you bring somebody with you. Use that invite card. Get somebody to church. God bless.